Happy Wednesday, my friends, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. This is the first midweek episode. This is really cool. Um, I hope that you guys are going to enjoy this. Um, let me explain a little context about what you're going to hear in this episode. So um, we've been in this series called Seen and Unseen, and Nathan preached an extra message that wasn't on the weekend called Prophecy. He had to do this for his um, doctorate program that he's in. Um, so we recorded this as a video and we decided we might as well get some more legs out of it. So we wanted to share it with you guys and we shared it with you guys last Friday, uh, on our Facebook. Um, and we went Facebook live with pastor Jared and pastor Daniel and pastor Nathan, um, kind of talking about the message after, uh, we streamed it and, um, answering all of your questions as well as just kind of, uh, having some discussion about prophecy and what that looks like. Um, that's what you're going to be hearing. This was originally uh, a Facebook live event, but, um, this is a sermon that was, can only be found online. Um, I encourage you, if you aren't following us on social media, go over to our Instagram, um, and our Facebook and follow us there. We, we do post things there that are, um, unique to those platforms as well. Um, that's linked in the show notes, but, um, without further ado, here's Nathan and Jared and Daniel, um, talking about prophecy. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Facebook Live. How are you guys doing? We're going to wait until we get a few people on here, but I am just excited to be here. My name is Nathan. I'm the lead pastor at Life Church Canton, and with me are my other two teaching pastors here, which I'll introduce in just a moment. But I'm grateful that you are here, and if you're tuning in on your lunch break or just jumping on later after it's all done, what we're doing right now is we're having an amazing opportunity to ask some questions about our previous series, Seen and Unseen. And this is the first time that we have actually, the three of us, been on this stage together, which is exciting. Yes, okay, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to uh, take a moment just for you guys to get some more face time with each of us, and we're each going to share our favorite thing about the series. I'd love for you in the comments to leave your favorite thing about this series. What we're going to be doing today is a very interactive. So we are looking for you um, to make comments, ask questions. That's why we're doing this. We're trying it out. And so we wanted to share a little bit about this series that is four uh, sermons long, four weeks long, on miracles, seen and unseen. And uh, Jared, why don't you uh, tell us what was your favorite part about it? Yeah, uh, I'd say my favorite part was when I got an opportunity to talk about unity. And at first talked about this idea of how, how is unity a miracle that doesn't seem like it would be uh, a miracle. Normally, we, you know, we talk about healing and that's a miracle. But unity doesn't seem like a miracle. But then I asked this question to the, to the crowd and I was surprised by the response. But I said, do you think our country is unified right now? And there was this resounding no in the crowd. I wasn't expecting that. And then I asked a follow-up question, do you think it'd be a miracle if, if it was unified? And then again, a resounding yes. So it was just, um, maybe not surprising, but just, um, just it stuck out to me that people were as responsive uh, to realize that, no, actually unity could be a miracle. So it was a, a favorite moment for me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I think for me, the, um, it's just the unapologetic way in which we um, delve into the matter of miracles, right? I think in an era where it seems like and we've become so secular even in our mindset of just practical and pragmatic approaches to things, seeing God invade, seeing the supernatural invade the natural, 
Um, I think it's huge how we were able to speak to that in a way that was balanced. I think that's one of the comments I made to you when you preached. I was like, it was such such a balanced way of looking at healing. It wasn't that we were expecting supernatural healing every 10 seconds, but that God is God has the prerogative in that. And yeah. so I really loved how we, we delved into it, looking at what the Bible said about miracles because it's a part of our faith. It's true. The biggest miracle being our salvation. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think it's really we based the whole series on that idea. Yeah. That the miracle of the resurrection is what we base our Everything. understanding of miracles on. And so I love how that got brought through. My favorite part was just when we started to plan for this, we started asking some questions about miracles and uh, about healings and where we saw that happening. And we were just inundated with it. And so being able to share some of those stories that were happening, whether it was to, to Stephen, our worship leader, or to some of the people in our church while they were happening, um, to share the miracles of that um, was beautiful. And then I, I loved hearing people come and talk to me about what they saw as miraculous in their life and how that, and it, here's the thing, it always pointed them back to how good God was. And, and in a moment, we'll remind ourselves of that, but everything, every miracle reveals the character of God. And yeah. even in the absence of it, yeah. 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 it still reveals God's um, sovereignty, how he's in control, which is exciting. Yeah, it's, so it's a great series. There's a lot to share. What we're going to do right now is we actually have another sermon for you that wasn't preached on the weekend, and it's on prophecy. And what we're going to do is you're going to watch it. It's by me. I'm up here. It was pre-recorded. Love for you to uh, listen to it and then start asking questions because healing and the prophetic, they have, I mean, there's a lot going on with that. And, and uh, I take one particular uh, look at it, but there are other aspects of it, as well as the entire series as we talked about miracles in general, as we talked about unity, as we talked about healing, and as we talked about persecution. Um, there are a lot of questions, and we want to answer them for you live. Um, but we want you to watch this first, and if you could do this right now for me, this would be really huge. If you're watching right now, even if it's over and you're just looking back on it, a huge way you can help is by sharing this, sharing it with people right now and letting them know, hey, check this out. You know, my, we're doing this live. If you have questions about miracles, we want to answer it. It doesn't matter if you go to Life Church Canton or not. Um, we want to answer those questions because, honestly, people really care about it. So do me a favor. Share it right now. I'll give you a second so you won't miss anything. Go ahead and share it. Write down your comments and your questions right as I'm preaching. It's pre-recorded in that part. And then at the end of it, we'll come back, and the three of us are going to answer as many as we possibly can. Thank you for being here. It's a big deal. We're looking forward to it. Check it out. Well, thanks for being here with me today. My name is Nathan McWhorter, and I welcome everybody to our series, Seen and Unseen, talking about miracles today. We're seeing so much fruit from this series as we engage in what it means to recognize the miracles from the past, reveal the miracles that are going on today, and rejoice in the miracles that will come as we embrace all that God has for us. We're becoming passionate about the Holy Spirit and the hope we see in Acts and for the church to be a witness and a sign of God's love today, that we believe that God wants to do the very same thing inside of us. And this series is based on a simple interaction between Thomas and the newly resurrected Jesus, which we've already talked about. Thomas had stated that he would not believe in the miracle of the resurrection until he saw and touched the holes, the wounds in Jesus. And he is confronted with the resurrected Jesus and is overcome with belief. And so this passage for our whole series is in John 20, 29. 
And it says this, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed and yet have believed. This is the truth of our series, that there is a blessing in believing in the unseen, and there is also a joy in believing in what we can see. And the promise to those who believe in the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus without seeing and touching Jesus for ourselves is that we will be blessed, and we're living into that. All miracles are revelations of the unseen spiritual reality of a God that loves us and is trying to restore relationship with us. And as we place faith in Jesus, we also place faith in the miracles that he continues to do in and through us, both seen and unseen. The definition of a miracle, according to Webster's Dictionary, is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. And it's through the miraculous that we actually see how God is moving in our world because the definition of it is something that is interceding and showing up and can't be of us. We spoke of the miracle of creation, the miracle of Jesus and the resurrection, and we have seen in our community already. We've talked about the miracles that we have experienced. Well, miracles all point the spiritual to a spiritual in a way that makes the unseen seen, not just for you and not just for me, but for a world that needs to see the truth of a God who cares. And so this series is so incredibly important. And I know when we talk about spiritual gifts, when we talk about miracles, we all come from different backgrounds. And I encourage you just to open your heart to what the Word says. And I know for some, it's really hard to believe without seeing. But for those of us who have experienced miracles, it's hard not to see how God is moving. And today, we're turning our focus to prophecy, to prophecy where prophecy is one of the miracles that God continues to use today, but prophecy kind of has a lot going on with it. Have you guys ever, you know, ha heard of prophecy? What do you think of? When I think of, of, of prophecy, I think of Groundhog Day, not the movie, but I, I think of the fact that when the winter is almost over and we want to see, we take a groundhog out and, like, try to experience whether it sees a shadow or not, and for some reason that's going to tell us if winter is going to continue to happen. That's ridiculous, right? We're trying to predict what's about to happen. I think that's the most silly thing. How do you know when a groundhog sees its shadow? Like, anyway, how, how does that even happen? Uh, we get in this final four, or for, like, finals, we'll have, like, something fun where we'll have a cute puppy, and there'll be two bowls of food, and one bowl of food is supposed to represent one team, and one bowl of food is supposed to represent the other, and we're trying to predict who's going to win by who eats it. I mean, it's hard for us to take prophecy seriously in today's day, in a day of science and in a day of where we don't believe in those things very well. We don't look for them. And to be fair, when we talk about prophecy, I think of like end times. I think of the end times, like when the whole world is going to fall apart. And we have like people predicting, prophesying about the apocalypse. In fact, over the course of our recorded history, 167 credible, like, I mean, God, it can't be that credible if they were wrong, but like credible people, not just like people on YouTube who are saying, but like people who are respected in the community, both Christians and not Christians, have predicted the very end of existence. They've prophesied it. And guess what? They've been wrong because we're still here. Like, it's hard to take prophecy seriously if we have not experienced it for ourselves. One thing I'll say about, like, predicting the end of times, I just go to Jesus, and Jesus says no one knows the day. 
except my father. And so if you have predicted a day, you are already wrong just by the fact of you trying to predict the future in that. But prophecy is something that has been misunderstood. And, you know, I've been prophesied over. Like, I have people talk about it. The only one that's ever come true is that uh, a person told me that one day I'd be holding a mic in my hand on a stage telling people about Jesus. And at the time, um, no one but my mother would have bet on that happening for me. Like, I, I've seen those things happen. I, I've received words about what would happen with a building location for a church. It was confirmed by other pastors, and it came to pass. It involved a death in a drugstore. It's a, it's a whole thing. I won't talk about it today, but I, I've experienced it myself. I've heard many stories of predictive prophecy that have come true. And for those who have seen miracles, it's difficult to deny this truth. For those who haven't, you can be skeptical about it. I, I get it. But predictive prophecy, saying what's going to happen, is only one aspect of prophecy. It's only one part of it. Prophecy in the Old Testament, in the Word of God, when we hear about all of these prophets that predicted Jesus their, their job was to prophesy and to say what will happen, and we see that. But their job as well was not just to be predictive, but to illuminate. To illuminate and bring light to the reality of what was happening. They spoke to the rulers of the kingdoms and the culture and religion. They spoke to the rulers, and they challenged them and said, God is saying something about what is happening right now that you are not seeing. And that's how the old prophets worked. And there's a whole aspect of prophecy that we don't engage with on a daily basis. See, the definition of prophecy is to speak under the influence of divine inspiration. To speak under the influence with divine inspiration with or without reference to future events. So it, it isn't always about what will happen. It's about God speaking through an individual and community about what is happening right now. Prophecy is beautiful. I love it. There's so much we could delve into, and we don't have but just a moment to talk about today. And I want to drill down on a simple truth, that the miracles we have talked about that have happened in Acts, the ones that we will talk about, about the early church, the Acts of the Apostles, what was going on, they've ushered in a new reality in prophecy, along with the other gifts, that we have this reemergence of something. I'm going to show you how the writers understood that this was a new moment, a new time. And I hope that for you, if you have not seen this play out in your life, that you would see it, how that miraculous would become real for you. The church, for whatever reason, has relegated prophecy to only talking about it when we talk about how those were fulfilled in Jesus or in hyper-charismatic churches or in apocalyptic predictions. We have seen things that have disturbed us about how prophecy has been used or in just one small aspect. And rather than deciding to engage that, we decided it's better for it to just be unseen. But what we're realizing is that when we see how God is moving through miracles inside of us, it shows us the heart of who God is. And what better way for us to live into who God is than to express what he's doing in our community we have forgotten the purpose of the miraculous. We have forgotten that it's so important for understanding who God is and abandoned our prophetic witness. And in so doing, we have lost our voice in a world that needs to hear from God, that people are craving this more than ever. And we have lost our voice because we have abandoned this part of the miraculous. 
the prophetic, prophecy to prophesy. And so I want to go right back into Acts. Enough of me setting up. I want to go into what's happening here. This series about the early church in Acts and how the miraculous showed up in their life. Background, Luke and Acts, the books were written on scrolls, and they were written by the same person, and they were written to be consumed together. In fact, the two scrolls traveled together in the early church. They would have been read in one sitting and experienced together. And as we finish the first scroll, as they would finish that, it says the stage for Acts. They're connected by this moment where Jesus has done everything, explained everything. He has died, resurrected, and then transferred that mission onto us. So in Acts, we're seeing about how we are to live into the reality of what happened. And Luke, after receiving the Holy Spirit in this moment, he says, hey, I'm going up to heaven. And then he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit, this power, and something miraculous happens that they are able to speak hundreds, hundreds of languages, that they're speaking in a tongue that people can understand during this festival when everyone has come from all over the world, from all over the world in all these languages, and all of a sudden they're hearing the word about who God is, who Jesus was and is and will be in their heart language. This is a miracle, and this is how God works all the time as he speaks to us right where we're at. But this is what's about to happen we can't forget that the purpose of the miraculous, which is that they are signs of God's involvement in earth, that is why this moment happens. I want you guys to remember this. The miraculous always point us to the unseen reality of God. The miraculous always point us to the unseen reality of God. That is the truth. And if we miss sight of that, we're going to get in love with the miracles for their miracle's sake. When in miracles are there to show us how good God is. And there's this call in Luke, but especially in the book of Acts, the scroll of Acts, to live out the words in the book and not simply understand them and their veracity or their truth. That was how it was written, how the author wrote the entire thing. It's not a story to understand the facts about what happened in Acts. It's an invitation to participate in the narrative that continues to this very day, that we're living in the very same age so it begins to speak and starts to refer to a prophecy of Joel Peter. He is overcome. He stands up, and he's about to speak. And that's where we pick it up in Acts 2, verses 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. That's interesting. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So people were like seeing people speak in other languages. And if you didn't realize that uh, they were speaking in somebody else's language, that's not yours. They would have thought that they were drunk. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to stand up. This is the man who used to be hiding. This is the man who denied Jesus. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks up. And he says, I want to tell you what's happening right now. I'm going to tell you about Joel, the prophet. And I'm going to explain how this is exactly what he said was going to happen. Peter is following the pattern of Luke and Acts. It's written in the same way. Jesus had stood up before with the scroll of another prophet called Isaiah. And while he was still alive, he read a passage, a prophecy about himself. And then he says, it is being fulfilled in me right now. A powerful line in the sand. And Peter is about to show the people the exact same thing by drawing a line in the sand and saying, here's what happens. So what does he say? Verse 17, the first part of it. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
the words of the prophet Joel have a new meaning in the face of the miraculous. Miracles occur because the divine has been given to all people who know Jesus because we are his people. Those who are his people have received the spirit and the miracles and miraculous have now become reality. The church has this power and this presence of the spirit within and the same spirit we have is the same spirit which empowered Peter to tell about the spirit that he was pouring out. It was this wonderful, beautiful prophecy, miraculous loop of what is happening. It's the same spirit that empowered these disciples to speak in languages they had never heard before. And he goes on and says this, verse 17, be the second half. So in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Again, he's explaining what has just happened. God has intervened for his people by using the disciples to reach them at a heart level, at the level. You know, it's one thing to hear in a different language the truth about God. It's another thing to hear it in your language from someone who doesn't look like you, the truth of who Jesus was. To show the love of God through something that was supernatural, that's what a miracle is. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. The definition I read about prophecy at the very beginning was taken from this exact word. It comes from this exact translation, that they will speak with divine inspiration in a predictive and, and maybe not in a predictive way, but they're going to be talking about illuminating what is happening in the moment. This is miraculous, that God would choose to speak through people. It's an incredible opportunity to join this journey in this miracle of what God has. Let's keep going, keep going. Verse 18, even on my servants, servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Again, here it is, then they will prophesy. Still the words of Joel through Peter, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Peter is doing something. He's ushered in the last days as a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. This is a season where God chooses to speak through to the people through this prophecy of that something has just changed. See, we're still in the last days. We're still in this thing that Peter is about to do. The miracles of Acts occurred starting this period of the last days, and Jesus hasn't come back yet, so we're still in this period. So that's the answer to the question. Why does Peter use the prophecy of Joel to explain the miracles that just occurred? Why, why is he saying, hey, you know why these people are speaking the language? Let me take you way, way, way back to this prophecy. Why would he do that? He is letting them know just what I said, that something new has come. An era that was prophesied hundreds of years before is here. It's called the last days, the final days. There's this new moment, this new excitement to be part of. And he's saying, look, this is what's happening. He goes on to remind them of the miracle of Jesus' resurrection in a moment that we went over in earlier in the series that, that he had, Jesus had been resurrected. And he said, look, this is the sign that something new has happened. It's interesting, though, the way that this is written, and I, I love this, that the author of Luke and Acts, these scrolls, the way he wrote it is that he clearly saw both Jesus and Peter as prophets that they were illuminating what was happening in that very moment and predicting what would be. And he wanted to understand that this prophetic burden was being offered 
to all of the people who believed in Jesus. That's what Peter is saying. This burden, this joy, this thing that we get to participate in is this inheritance and a response to these last days. So Peter declared that the reemergence of prophecy had come. He declared it. That's what he was doing in that moment, that prophecy had come back. It's interesting, in the original quote by Joel, he modified it by adding a second, and they will prophesy. He's explaining that the moment has come. This is almost as important as what happens right after this passage. Right after this passage, 3,000 people come to Jesus. This prophetic utterance and this miracle tied together leads to 3,000 people coming to faith. But this isn't just that. It's more. He's declaring what he had just experienced, and he is speaking the new reality. And that this illumination of the hearts of our culture around him is now able to happen by divine intervention. That people are going to, that God is going to speak through people and through communities to show how the culture needs to change. This is powerful. Why? Because it have been 400 years of silence where God hasn't spoken. And so for all this moment, just to say, not just one prophet, but all who believe in Jesus will speak into the truth and will know and hear the word of God. This is incredible. This is transformative, and the world needs our voice more than ever. We're still in this stage, and and most of us take for granted the fact that we can hear from God because of the spirit that's been given to us and our community. The world needs this more than ever, and now there's not just one prophet, but many. I want to read to you a quote, and I don't always get into the scholarly stuff, but They did such a good job of breaking down the impact, and and it would take much more time than I have to break down the impact of what this one speech of Peter's is doing, what it means for us and the impact and how it reflects prophecy. So listen, thus Peter can proclaim from the perspective of the Messiah's resurrection and living presence with his people that this, what just happened, that this, that he and the infant church were experiencing— That this, that, that this, that, I love that. That this thing that's happening, what they're experiencing in the outpouring of God's Spirit is that thing that was prophesied by Joel. This, that, is that. I love that. Beautiful. Second, that these are the last days of God's redemptive program that he enacted from the very beginning about redeeming the world to him, that these are the last days. And three, That the validation of all of this is the fact of the return of prophesying. That those that prophesying has come back, it is proof. The miraculous is proof. In other words, he is proclaiming that this is the time for the fulfillment of prophecy and that these are the long-awaited last days of the divine redemptive program. And he's also suggesting by his inclusion of the prophet's call for response that through the apostles' proclamation, There will go out from Jerusalem a prophetic message of salvation and a call for repentance. Wow. An incredible moment of what is happening, the reemergence of prophesying. But if it was just him saying it, right, does does that really mean that that's the case? Well, the witness of the rest of Acts and the witness of the church proves the potential of the prophetic in us. Let me say that again. The witness of what happens next in Acts, in this story, and what we have seen in the miraculous and those around us is proof of the potential of the prophetic in you. 
in me, in us, that we have a participation in this gift, in this prophecy. Miracles and acts abound. They prove the veracity of Peter's claim that a new era has, da has dawned. All miracles are revelations of the unseen spiritual reality of a God that loves us and is trying to restore relationship with us. And I believe that predictive prophecy is something that we need to develop and manage and that gift in people, but there's still a voice that needs to be heard that we have maybe put to the side. We have a voice of prophecy that needs to be heard, but this prophetic voice is one that speaks in contrast to the culture. It's the one that illuminates what has happening right now. It is God's continual witness to us. It's a willingness to speak up and to speak and live in a way that looks different than what the culture says. That's the prophetic call. The miracles are going to increase in us as we live into what God has called us to communicate, not just with our words, but with our life. To people. Listen, I'm going to go through this as fast as I can, but the prophecy of Isaiah spoken by Jesus was proved through his miracles. Jesus proved the truth of Isaiah's prophecy in him by showing up and by doing things. The last day's prophecy of Joel, which we just talked about, spoken by Peter, was proved by the miracles of Acts. The book of Acts lays out the truth with miracles. People overcoming the sting of serpents that should have killed them and lifelongs, diseases, people struck dead and others raised to life. People speaking truth about what is happening in people's lives. Demons fleeing and the church exploding into all the world with this prophetic message of salvation. Here's the question for us. What is proven by the miracles of our faith? What is proven by what we're doing? Is the message of love and salvation that we have proven by anything? Well, I believe we've already talked about how it shows up in the miraculous. But God says you will do even greater things, that, that he would build a church on us. Jesus would build a church and the gates of hell would not overcome it, that people would know us by our love. The world needs us to prophesy with our lives. Yes, definitely in predictive ways, but with our lives, as if we actually heard from God. And then we have an alternative community. Families need a different model than absent dads, whether it's because they're at work or they were aban they abandoned at birth. A family that's based on love and grace, no matter what, and purpose through the storm. Being willing to speak and be full of truth and full of love. Being able to love someone while still calling them to what God has for them fully. That world needs that. When we take our divine inspiration from the Holy Spirit and we apply it to the world, we will look and sound different. And that is what it means to be prophetic to do something. We must embrace this miracle of the prophetic and both God's ability to inform us through it and our ability to inform the world through our inhabitation of the prophetic. That is a beautiful thought. We inform the world about what God is saying by the way that we live and by looking different. And God is speaking to us in so many ways and we better be moving in them. Peter has called us to participate in the last days by displaying the miracles of God and by prophesying, speaking with our mouths and our lives about the new way of living that has come directly from the divine God, Yahweh, Jesus. It's a new way of living spoken by the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Joel, the prophet Peter, and the prophet and one true God, Jesus. 
Will you join him in this? Today is about believing that God wants to prophesy through you. It's about believing. It's about going after and as a community figuring out together what God has called us in this city, in this place to do, in this unique place, this unique kingdom religion, this unique worldview. What has God called us to do together? To speak into what is happening. God is saying something specific to Canton, to Wayne County, to Detroit, to all of the places around us. And he is asking us to be the people like the disciples who speak in a language that other people can hear in their heart about the truth of who God is and to connect the dots with them and call them to something greater. If we don't look any different than the culture, are we really a prophetic community? I'd say no. God is calling us. He's saying, blessed are those who believe and yet haven't seen. And we may not have seen these things happen in our lives, but we can believe and go after what God has for us and act as if they will be. One of the things I want to point out, which is just beautiful, that helps me understand, right at the, at the change between Luke and Acts, as we finish, right, right at the change between Luke and Acts, Jesus resurrected. And now one of the scholars here I read, he just wonderful imagery. He said, Elisha was promised a double portion of power if he was able to see Elijah rise to heaven, two prophets in the past. The imagery at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts is the resurrected Savior rising into heaven. Do you know who was sitting there watching him? The church. The beginning of the church is watching as Jesus rises into heaven. And I can't help believe that what God wanted to pour out on us was a double portion, another, more. And I believe that as well because Jesus said it. He says, I believe you will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This is the moment where he sends his spirit. It shows up and the first thing happens is a miracle. And I believe that that is what God has for us as we are open to waiting and seeing what God wants to do that he would do a miracle in each one of you. So my question to you is, are you willing to believe what God is wanting to do in you? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time and this moment. I pray that you would continue to speak to us and challenge us, that you would give us the opportunity to live in a way that looks different than this world, not just to be different, but to show that God's divine message of love and hope and joy is not just something that's a promise, but something that is lived out in a community of people who love you. Challenge us to be like Peter. Challenge us to live in a prophetic way. Amen. All right. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Nathan. Uh, thanks for being with us and those of you that stayed throughout the whole message. Some of you are maybe now just joining us and uh, maybe got a portion of the message. Either way, stay tuned. We're going to be talking a little bit more about Nathan's message. I imagine many of you are still processing a lot of what Nathan said. I think that's important too. And so keep processing that. Listen. Uh, maybe pick up on some things that, that you didn't hear in the message as we begin our conversation. But Nathan, just to get us started, just any initial thoughts as you come out of that message, uh, things that are on your mind, because you were the one that gave it, obviously. Yeah, yeah it, you know, I was able to record that a little while ago um, during the series as we were through it, so it's always good to hear something fresh again. And I, I just reminded by how um, powerful that moment was. 
at this moment where he was speaking about a prophecy. And Peter is speaking about a prophecy of old. It's this very meta moment because he's speaking it and fulfilling it and proclaiming it at the same time. And it's, it's, um, it's bigger than you can imagine in that moment. And um, while I, I focused primarily in the message on our prophetic living, and that's really what the whole message was just to get us to this point that we have to look different and act different and be different, and we've been empowered to do that. Um, it's really the beginning of its own series in a lot of ways. But I, I just wanted to leave people with this hope, this hope that um, it wasn't something we have to force but just live into. And that was that imagery I left with um, Elisha and Elijah and then Jesus and us, is that as we rose, as he, Jesus rose into heaven, he promised us that he would send his spirit and that we would do greater things. And this, this imagery from a prophets of old into now, um, I just think of that. And every time I'm in worship, every time I'm in the presence of God um, worshiping, I, I imagine that, that, that there's this outpouring of what God wants to do in, in me and in you and in everyone um, at this church. And so I, I think it's a beautiful picture that I, I won't forget that. It, it'll be, stick with me for a while. Great. Uh, just looking at uh, the page right now, we're starting to get a couple comments, one question that we're going to address in just a second. And I also want to give this reminder, this is later going to be recorded as a podcast, so we'll do our best to remind everybody of who's asking the question, what the question is, because if you're listening to this, you're not seeing this, obviously, and then uh, some of you aren't getting to, to view this right now, and so you're going to get, get to hear it later, maybe in your drive to work or uh, when you're on the go. So I uh, just wanted to give you that heads up as well. Uh, there, there is a question that was posed, and um, it says this. It's uh, from, from Johnny. He says, hey, guys, 1 Corinthians 14.39 says, be eager to prophesy. What are some practical steps from your own life for hearing from God and speaking from God? Daniel, okay. I'll get, get some thoughts from you. <laughs> so I think, um, I think the first thing is I'm, I'm a fan of defining terms. Um, I think um, when we speak of prophecy, there's a twofold part of it. There's the foretelling, which is the sort of future telling of, the, of, of things. I think that's usually what people have in mind the most is that sort of prediction part of prophecy. I think 1 Corinthians and most parts of the New Testament, especially post the apostolic era, lean more towards that forth telling, the sort of proclam proclamation of God's established truth. And so to that effect, I would say to my brother that um, study and show yourself approved, uh, getting into the scripture, understanding what God's will is, understanding God's heartbeat, um, and then proclaiming that truth that you already know um, is prophetic um, and actually has a way by the spirit of God to even move into predictive ways in people's lives apart from us. Um, so that's where I would start. I would start with understanding the concept of prophecy from those two prongs, the foretelling and the forthtelling. And I think as you move into that, you see the New Testament's move towards uh, the forthtelling, the proclamation of God's established truth, which has never changed. Um, so that's where I would go with that. I, I like that delineation between foretelling and, and forthtelling. Forth I'm curious, there's another translation. I think it's the New Living Translation. I think it says, eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Mm. Can you speak to that? Like, why, why would Paul say desire prophecy? Context yeah. is helpful, too. Yes. It's good. In context, in, in this, it's talking about order and worship, which means... Um, it, it, what should you do when you are gathered together? And there are people around you who are worshiping some that believe in God and some that don't. So that's where that scripture that he's referring to comes for. And just a reminder, it's therefore, my brothers and sisters, 
be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And, and he's brought some direction at this point, but he's saying, hey, 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 just to remember, even though there's some ways to do this well, don't forbid this. Don't, uh, in fact, you should be eager to desire. So the question is, um, why should we be eager, right? So I would say the reason you should be eager to do it goes back to what the miraculous is and the definition of prophecy. It's a, the miraculous is divine intervention in human affairs, and the prophetic is a divine word spoken through an individual or a community. And so wouldn't we want God to speak to, through speak us and, and speak yeah. into our community? And so I, I think of it, be eager to do this, and maybe it's easier because I'm a, I'm a pastor and so I preach, but my whole desire to have it is because I believe that God wants to speak to us. I know it's crazy. That's a crazy, but I do, and I believe that he does. And so I desire those things. Um, some of the practices, I think, was another question that he had. Yeah, practical steps, yeah. just for the practical everyday steps. person, probably. For the everyday person, which I consider myself an everyday person, um, I just get to spend more time doing it uh, because of my role. Um, but what I have found has to do with this idea that you may hear me say about positioning. And, and what that means is that I, I read the Bible and the Word, and what you said is study. when you put the Word and study inside of you, it positions you to be more useful because it's changing your worldview and allowing you to hear the truth of Scripture um, when things are revealed to you. But I think there's other things you can do. Are, are you spending... I know the sound of my wife's voice and what she would say and wouldn't say because I have lived life with her, and that I listen to her, and we talk to each other. Um, so my thought is, if you, the number one step is if you are not spending time in prayer, you are not going to, to see this happen in your life. End of story. Because in prayer, it doesn't force anything, but it positions us in a place to hear from God. And, and so I, I know for myself, I spend um, pr time in prayer every single day yeah. so I can hear. That's great. So you said study the Word. Yeah prayer. I'm going to add another one. You're probably not going to be surprised by this, a pastor saying this, but coming to church and <laughs> yeah. being together in because community. Because it gives us for the body. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's power when we, when we meet together and we hear from, from each other and from one another of what God is up to. And, and coming from our time in scripture and our time in prayer, we're able to ask each other questions like, hey, I, I read this, I think I understand it this way, but then we have the community to come together and say, yeah, you're, you're, you're halfway there. Uh, maybe there's this part to think about too so that we can talk about the scriptures together and then say, oh yeah, okay, that's what that means. And then go back into our, excuse the phrase, but everyday life, whether it's to our homes, our families, uh, our workplaces, and be able to speak the truth and love um, to those we encounter. So I think it's great because isn't it so that the context here speaks of the church? So that's 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 interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, there, there's a couple thoughts. Uh, some questions are probably still coming in. Some people are still processing what we're saying. Um, I had this thought as I was listening to the message too, uh, as it relates to prophecy. And I think you um, you highlighted a story that happened in your own life where yeah. someone spoke prophetically, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, into your life. Yeah. And they said, you know, I see you with a microphone talking to people, and <laughs> here we are. Uh, it was fulfilled, and that's nice when it works out that way. Right. Uh, what, what about, um, this is sort of a twofold question. How do we know uh, when that's been taken too far, mm. the, the ability to speak into somebody's life and to speak in somewhat of a predictive way 
Um, how do we deal with that? For those of us who maybe feel we have a gift of, of speaking prophetically. Yeah, that's good. So um, two, twofold. One, the one who spoke over me had been uh, established as someone who had prophetic gift, so, predictively, um, which to be fair, that's the only person I've ever met personally. So I, I, but that was good to know. I trust in how you know, this individual had spoken in the past, and so I had eager anticipation that it would happen. And truly, I also didn't understand fully what exactly that meant. Um, but the question that you had for me is, how do we know when we take it too far, or if someone who has the gift of prophetic um, speaking foretelling, not just forthtelling, but foretelling, how should they handle it? Um, I, here's the deal. The point is to build up the body of Christ, and it's point to have the individual not fall in love with the prophecy, but fall in love the with, prophet. or the prophet, or the prophet, <laughs> or the prophet, uh, but to fall in love with the one who's given it. All miracles are designed to reveal the character of God and to bring people to glorifying God. Did this bring people to glorifying God? Okay, then, then that's in a good place. If it's taking it outside of that, um, then it's not good, or it's, 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 it doesn't mean it's from Satan, it just means it's being used in a, in a, in a unhelpful way. What I would say to you specifically is that if I ever feel like I have a word of knowledge from God, whether it's predictive in nature or forth telling, like saying I feel like this person's struggling with this, they haven't ever told me that, but I feel like God's telling me that, um, I always present it in a way that can be chosen to be received by the individual or not. So I never say thus, thus saith the Lord. Um, well, I'm very scared of that, unless thus saith the Lord, and then I the read the word of God, right? right? right. Because, um, one, there's a whole lot of baggage with that, and you could be wrong, um, or you could be right, but how they receive it is important. So often what I say is, I feel like God is saying this. Then I say, do you feel like that's true, or is that resonating with you? And if they say, uh, and I'm like, cool, drop it, and just move on. If not, I'll say, and they'll say, yes, this. I'm like, okay, well, what do you think God is saying to you? And, and it be, turns into this, this opportunity here. Um, and then if you're one receiving it, and they, you know, what, no matter how they give it to you, whether they do it right or they do it wrong, take it, give some space to it, read the Word of God, and pray about it, and then ask people around you. Again, just like we said, you need, you know, prophetic words need to be supported not just in your own mind, but by people around you who know you and love you. I think that, that these are made to be in the body. Yeah. yeah. There's another question that just came in. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I want to get your perspective. We just talked about yeah. speaking prophetically. Yeah. But we also talked about acting prophetically. Yeah. Daniel, I would love to get your perspective on what it looks like to act out um, the prophetic truth and love of God in yeah. 2019. Yeah. So I, I think something you said too that kind of stuck on me was um, the, so in, in Ephesians chapter four, it labels all these gifts, right? And it says they are given so that you are not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Yeah, Ephesians four. Right, Ephesians chapter four. And so there is a sense, well not there is a sense, and sort of piggybacking on, 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 on what you were saying is, Prophecy given by anyone should not contradict scripture. 
This is one of the reasons why you need to be versed in scripture. Because when you do that, you can sort of compare the, com the counterfeit to the real, right? So you can just drop that right away, right? So, you know, oh, yeah, um, I feel like God's calling you to be, um, I don't know, a murderer. <laughs> that real wrong example. Right. Who says that? I feel like God's calling you to be the son of Sam, right? And it's like, no, that's not scripture, right? And that's obviously a, a throwaway analogy. So I think there's that piece. Why has God given these gifts, which is what you said to, to these things? But I, I love how you approach it. If you feel or sense, sometimes the word feel has a connotation to it, Correct. but if you sense that God is giving yep. you a word for someone, I think the reason God can trust you, me, or whoever with that prophetic utterance is because you are not presuming on the Lord by saying, I sense God is saying this, versus I've had people say to me, no, God is specifically saying this, and you're in the wrong if you don't believe it. Completely you know, the heart is different, right? So I think maybe this dovetails to what you're asking me, but I think to act out prophetically, there must be a humility on the fact that we are not perfect in our understanding and that we might miss it. And so being able to, even on the prophetic side, saying, let me search scripture and make sure what I'm saying is right. Let me make sure I'm sensitive. Let me spend time in prayer before the Lord. Lord, are you speaking or is someone else speaking? Because someone else can also speak. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that heart, that position, and if you will, that you said, that heart of humility to say, Lord, is this what you're telling me? And that's not unbiblical. There have been many prophets who have looked through the scripture and said, is this what God is saying? You know, Peter says in the first Peter chapter one about how they kept on searching the scriptures to see what the spirit of Christ in them is sharing with them. So I think from that perfect, is that what, am I asking that right? So from that perspective, um, I think the prophet or one who thinks that they are being, they have a prophetic gift must be humble, must be saturated yeah. in God's word and must double, triple check and make sure they're hearing from God and not themselves. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Shandy says this, she says, I know when God speaks to me through scripture and I share what he has said to me to others, many times the message is more for them than it was for me. There's no question there necessarily, but just a, a comment, anything that you would say uh, to what she just shared there. Absolutely. I think it ties in again with what we're just talking about this process because we got right into the practical of like how to, and I love that because I think sometimes from the stage we can't get into that. Uh, and so this is a good time for that. Well, two things I would say. One, that is what a gift is for. A gift is for building up the body. Most of the time, it isn't necessarily for you, and it isn't necessarily for you to know if they received it. It's yeah. just for you to be obedient in a loving, kind, gentle way. You're just a tool for God. Now, here's the beauty of it. If they have Jesus Christ in their life, it's not just like the prophets of old where they had the Spirit of God and they spoke and no one else had the Spirit of God. Clearly in the Bible it says that. However, now if we know Jesus Christ, all of us have that Spirit of God. So really what I look um, at it, so if I'm praying for you and I feel like God has something to say to you, you have the Spirit inside of you, I have the Spirit inside of me, God spoke to me through the it spirit. Be, well, it's the same yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So if I present it in a very open way yeah, to you, yeah. um, the spirit will confirm. Yeah. And really what's more important than them to hear my voice yeah. is to have an experience yeah, with yeah. God. And so I think what, what you're saying is sometimes I feel God has done this for me. Um, 
yeah, it, it actually makes me feel like it is more. It's not for them, but it's for some other people. Then that might be the gift of prophetic inside of you. And so as your role in the church, and just like Ephesians 4 said, um, and the spiritual gifts um, are for the church, mm. it's, it's on you too as well to develop that mm. and to... Mm. to um, pray about that and ask God how position in you yes like and to say like if this is how God has used me and other yeah. people have seen God use me in this way then I have to learn how to do this well because this is my job and my role inside the community um, and and as long as you're continuing to focus it I, I think whenever there's these gifts especially like the prophetic gifts are ones that are more seemingly more miraculous in our mind frame um, humility and, and spending time understanding that we are just a tool and we are just someone that God is using is key. That's great. Is it, can, can I ask a question? No. No. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> are you speaking prophetically? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, there's something you said, and I, I don't think the sister intentionally meant that. Oh, but okay. The, well, in my mind, at least I want to make sure I'm clear, is speak about what happens to the person who is given the prophecy as you see God work through you. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. Because even if the message is for someone else, there's something happening, yes. yeah. right? Because I found even when I've had a mm -hmm. word for God, yes, it either confirms or convicts, right? Mm -hmm. So even if it's for someone else, it's still confirming within me what God is right. doing in this world and God's activity. But how does that yeah, it's, it's not. It's never just one way. Oh no, no, no. I meant um, sometimes we you, hear you, from. You said it right. Right, 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 right. Move in. I, yeah, but but um, gosh, so I think of John ten ten, mm, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And and the thief comes to uh, steal, steal, kill, and destroy. Kill, destroy. Yeah, but yeah. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, or the abundant life. And often we use that scripture to talk about. Like, God wants you to have your best life now. now. I'm not really knocking anyone who says that or wrote a book about it. That's not really my point. My point well, is... We have a different gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think he has a really nice smile, that guy. Beautiful a really smile. beautiful a prophetic smile. smile. A prophetic smile. <laughs> I don't know about that. But hey, so I, I don't know him. So, so, wow, back to where we were saying. Sorry. The abundant life, the life in the full is when your life, your gifting, your ability, your spiritual gifts are fully being used. Why? For the glory of God. And so when you are being used and you serve as that conduit, you are building the church up, you're glorifying God, and in that, you are living out the fullness of who you are. And that is and that's beautiful. That's and that's where thing. we actually pull our joy from, yeah. not yeah. our circumstances. But that's a whole other sermon. Cool. Uh, I'm going to read this comment, uh, also not a question, but a comment, and I think helpful to round out what we had talked about so far. So just, if you, again, if you're just joining us uh, to review, we talked about um, how, do we, how do we practically live out this gift of prophecy. Daniel talked about uh, reading the Word, studying Scripture. Nathan talked about the importance of prayer, putting yourself in a position to hear from God. I had mentioned the importance of coming together in fellowship, building up the church. And then another, another um, kind of similar element to that that Cheryl talks about, she just says it this way, the fellowship of our small group. Small group. So even smaller groups, because sometimes you could have a church of 10,000 people. Uh, but having that small group is important. She says the fellowship of our small groups. Uh, also encourages us to be actively forth-telling mm. with those we mm. come into contact with in Very our daily good. lives. So thank you, Cheryl, for that comment. Just, again, to reinforce 
the importance of um, some smaller communities yeah. so that you're really rubbing shoulders yeah. with each other, doing life together uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we call them small groups, but they're not small by any means. They, right. Their impact is great. Absolutely. Because that's life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why we call yeah. them life yeah. groups. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there you go. Even better. <laughs> right, you heard it here that's first. That's life, <laughs> life groups. One thing I'll say about that, too, because yeah. um, we talked briefly about speaking in tongues just as we read the Word of God, and we've been talking about prophecy, and you're like, wow, I didn't maybe realize that they thought all this. Why don't I see that on stage? And and for and I wanted to bring it up only because of life groups and, and that in this, this your gifts, right? Whether that's speaking in tongues so that people can understand them or, or, or being able to pray for healing or the prophetic or the foretelling or the foretelling. In fact, the prophecy happened in my life group just mm. as, a, as a throwback. Um, it wasn't like on a stage or whatever. It was one of the guys that I knew and loved and spoke over me. And if you had known me at that time, you'd been like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, the place where these gifts can be um, used best, actually, for me, is in small groups, mm. is in this group of people who have intimate, this trust, this intimate, yeah. and that is actually the best place for it. And I have seen the most fruit personally and um, anecdotally as well as I believe it, it, there's something true to this. this. We're living life together and then, and then we're ex exercising our gifts and we are whole as each of us give what the Spirit has given us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us out a little bit more 30,000 foot view if I could for just a second because um, I was doing some of my own study and reading and watching a video even on uh, prophecy and uh, heard these two gentlemen doing something similar to what we're doing, just kind of talking back and forth about prophecy. And, and it's one, on one hand, uh, in the Old Testament, we see prophets speaking to, uh, to what will be coming, what will be happening, but also uh, talking about what is. And I thought this was a really simple way that this gentleman put it, um, is recognizing the current state. Uh, and then being able to speak into what could be. And what he said was, uh, Prophecy helps us to identify that this is not all there is. Mm -hmm. so, so not just uh, in our individual lives, but as we look out at our world and, and to be able to say this is not all that there is, that actually God has a, a, bi a bigger, a better plan, a better will and purpose for what the world should be. And now I want to begin to partner with God and live yeah. into that yeah. new reality, yeah. that new yeah. existence, because this is not all that there is. As you guys look out at our world today, yeah. in 2019, it's August, it's one, almost one o'clock. <laughs> think about our world, what we see. What, what do you think about, what comes to mind when you hear that phrase, this is not all that there is, and God has something more. Mm -hmm. And we begin to act in, into um, and participate with the prophetic hope that God wants to bring. What comes to mind? So I, I think, um, so there's a couple of things that um, sort of tap my heart in what you were saying. Um, a famous quote attributed to JFK is, some see the way the world is and ask why. I see the way the world ought to be or should be and I ask why not. And I think in, in, as I was talking about persecution last week or last, was it last Sunday? It feels like a long time ago now. Um, I share that the church's loss is moral ground. And I think there is a sense of when we're talking prophetically that while we may not be writing new canon, right, we're not sort of saying, thus saith the Lord, or we're not writing new scriptures, 
I think there is a, a mandate on the church to be the banner of truth and grace. A mandate on the church to speak prophetically in the forth telling to the very situations that we find ourselves in. Whether it's marriage, whether it's social justice, whether it's racial reconciliation, the church is no longer standing firm as it should be. Not to say some churches aren't. I'm using Big C, Big Church, the universal church. I think that to me is troublesome because we are those people who see the goodness of God and what God is looking to restore, Eden restored, if you will. And to not talk about it, to not be uh, unapologetic about it, to, with love and grace, I think we, we've lost our prophetic edge in that sense. Um, I think it was Penn Teller, uh, the magician, who said, how much do you have to hate someone to see a Mack truck coming and not tell them to get out the way? And that if Christians believe the gospel that they say they believe now, I'm going to paraphrase them a little bit, why aren't they being prophetic? Why aren't they speaking truth to power? Why aren't they going to the uncomfortable conversations and bringing Christ's comfort into those uncomfortable conversations? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, there are, I think of people like Martin Luther King Jr., who was prophetic in his understanding mm. of the way we um, hire, like we, we rank color of skin and mm. how mm. worthy they are. And then he is fighting against that specifically in our context. And I think that's a fight that we're still learning how to deal with today. And I think that's very prophetic. Mm. Um, but the prophetic ministry, I love what Brueggemann, he, we'll give you some links to some book, but he talks about the prophetic imagination. And I just love that because it's like imagination, right? It's like this, what could we do? What story could we tell? How could we do it? And instead of being like, you have right. to fight. And in it is, there's a fight, and there's a reason for that. But there's also this, like, how do we tell a different story, the real story? And that's what you're talking about. It's like, there's a different reality. And we aren't using our imagination well, as well as we could. And, and that involves a lot of things. There's both creative and also, like, corrective ways of doing that. And our task is to, to nurture, to nourish and evoke something new. This is Brueggemann. He says, evoke a consciousness, a way of thinking, and a perception, a way of looking that's different than the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture. So what that's saying is, while we have an imagination and a story to tell, there's another one being told, and that's by our culture. And, and it's dominant. And even the way it thinks or asks questions or tells stories, everything is enculturated in this ideal. And so there's, there's a couple that come to mind. Two, I think that are tied, uh, but I think are brutal. One I talked about recently in, in, in I think, Daniel, and it was about um, consumerism, mm -hmm. that the name you have been given is consumer. You start here, the imagination, the name that you've been given is consumer. And instead of someone who's contributor to what God's doing, and the other one is uh, hyper-individualism. Um, hyper-individualism, so much to the point that each person defines their own reality. That's just not found anywhere in here. This is a new thing. Um, it is something that we uh, are fighting right now and that we have to provide a different imagination, a different way of, and that's our prophetic task is to speak into the, that this is, this is us. Yeah. 
This is not just me and my relationship with God. This is our relationship together with God. Yeah, and I love that word imagination that, like you said, Walter Brueggemann says, he's a, he's a dense thinker and a good thinker. You have to take a nap after you read a page of his <laughs> books. Uh, you get tired, but it's good. And, and I think it's important to recognize when you say the word imagination, when he says the word imagination, it's not like my seven-year-old daughter's imagination who's like, you know, one day I want to be a princess and ride on a unicorn. That would be great. I would be happy for her if that comes true. But it's an, it's an imagination not based in some random idea, um, but it's actually rooted in something. And that was a good reminder for me as I was thinking about prophecy, and I just heard this said too, that um, very, very common phrase that we use, if you've been spent any time in church, you've probably heard these words of Jesus, who says the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And and all of the law and the prophets hang, hang on these Boom. or rely on these. So, so prophecy is directly related to, correlated to love. Yeah. And so we, we have uh, the way that we speak and live out and act out prophetically has to be rooted in the love of God and the love of others. And so the way this plays out practically, I feel like, just a really very practical situation because all of us have probably gone out to Kroger or Target or Meyer just out, out in public and you, you're interacting with people every day. You see people and you get a sense for this is not all there is when you see somebody who their, their head is just hung low. It, uh, maybe you, have, uh, you go out to eat and you have a server that is clearly very angry, and okay, you're, you're thinking about, you know, I asked for ranch dressing, not yeah, blue yeah, cheese yeah, dressing, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, we go right to our own individual yeah. concerns uh, without the possibility of thinking, maybe there's actually something greater going on in this person's life. And so we actually, this is for the everyday person. This isn't just for the theologian, just for the pastor, but the everyday person. Yeah. When you're out in public, you're going to see things around you to, to acknowledge this is not all there is. That, that person feels sad and upset mm -hmm. or betrayed or whatever it is that they might feel. And we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus to exercise the prophetic gift of love <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and spend time with that person, even if it is with that server at the restaurant, to right. be like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Do, do you need anything? Maybe even to have the boldness to be like, hey, this might sound weird, but can I pray for you? Yeah. Everybody here at Life Church has the opportunity Absolutely. to live into yeah. that. Yeah. It's That's really what good. excites me. It's really good. We, we had another comment from, from Shandy. She had commented before. Uh, she said, it's important to also know when God wants you to share a prophetic message or to keep it to yourself and pray through it. That's huge. She goes on to say, I've also had that happen and prayed into what God was doing and didn't tell the person. So this is kind of going back to speaking prophetically, but any thoughts that you would share based on what Shandy said? I, I like the, um, the humility. Um, to know that, I, I think it's motivated by what you said, is, is the sense of, is this, to the, sorry, is this. I want to make sure they hear what you said. <laughs> is, is this done for the love of myself and to glorify myself, or is it done to glorify God by loving someone? And if it's loving, and a lot of times I think we'll be more quiet than we are, than we speak, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree with that. The other nuance is sometimes, um, it's exactly what you said, Shandy, is, is that God has given this to you to inform the way that you love them, mm. um, you know, to inform the way that you pray for them. 
And so, yes, not every revelation, as it were, uh, is meant to be shared, but is meant maybe to soften your heart or direct your prayers. And uh, I, I would affirm that. Um, and so, yeah, just because you know something, because God's given it to you, doesn't yeah, yeah. mean your job is to communicate to that person that. And here's the deal. With any gift, with any skill, with anything that we have in our life, we have to be in a community where we can work this out because we are going to make mistakes. And making a mistake doesn't mean you're damned, right? It's just, well, that God's going to take it away from you. It, of course, we have to learn how to walk and run. And um, the, the shame would be if we didn't get to see people's giftings because they were so afraid of messing up. Mm. We stand, and we're going to talk about this this weekend, but we stand on grace. And as long as we continue to be humble and allow God to correct us. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, this has been good. This has been a lot. And, uh, and I imagine there may be more questions that would come in even after those of you who are listening to this on the podcast later on. Feel free to keep interacting with us on our Facebook page. Um, on the weekends even as you come and you're part of our, our gatherings and you, you, you maybe think of a question later on, we, we want to talk about this um, and not have this be just a, a one-person monologue but a dialogue um, so that we can continue to, to grow in our faith and our love for one another and have greater impact on our community. Um, we're we're going to have a fun time this weekend because it's New Life Weekend, uh, but then after that, we're also going to have a new series called This Is Us. Nathan, any last comments you would say about yeah. that? Yeah, you may have received an, um, a video from me through email. I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to open it, and we know that there are people who haven't opened it yet, that's totally cool. It's not like Jesus is watching or anything like that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. The, the, the video was, was really to invite people to come back uh, and experience Life Church and, and be part of this series. And the series is called This Is Us. And as we have gone through this series of, of transition, um, you guys have been, you know, the combined tenure of the three individuals who are on the stage teaching is 18 months. So, uh, you know, you've been here two weeks and you've been here. <laughs> well, what, 18 months here. 18, 18 months total between the three here. of us. Here. Yes. You've been. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right. Right. You've been in other places. You just pluck us from. Right. Right. The just all of nowhere. But um, uh, the transition, that can be really hard. And so we've had people, yeah. we're inviting everybody to come back out because over the course of the last year and a couple months that I've been here, we've really just been a student of what God is doing inside of this church. And it is so good. I came here because I fell in love um, and I, with Life Church. I know this, it's the same for you guys. And so what we're going to share during this series, This Is Us is these things that we have found, these code statements, these things that help us um, define our culture. And what I would say more than anything is it's who we always were, who we are right now, and it'll help us continue to be the unique voice, right? The unique prophetic voice that God has given this church to be um, as part of his big church in our city. And uh, we want to maintain that and not drift from the calling God has had on us. So we just want to share it with you in a, in a celebratory way. Encourage you guys to come out in September. Um, it's a good go for seven weeks. It's, it's a big deal. We'd love for you to come back. If you're checking us out online, we'd love for you to come. It's a great season for you to figure out who we are. And so I encourage you to do that and also to share this post. We're grateful that you're here. We're going to get going. Hopefully, you're probably going back to work or wherever you're going. If you're watching this later, please put the comments down. If you have more questions, we'll try to answer through the Facebook 
thread and then check it out on the podcast when it comes out if you just want to mow the lawn and, and listen to us talk. That would be great. <laughs> All right, guys, let me pray as we go, and uh, we'll finish out. God, I'm so grateful that you have given us this amazing tool to talk to people. I pray for whoever's listening right now at whatever time that you would meet them, that you would communicate how much you love them, how much you care about them, and that you have a new abundant life for them. And help us as the church be not only a voice, not only an image, not only a light, but a practical group of people who go out and love people prophetically. We need you to do that, and we need your spirit to be poured out on us. We trust you, God. We love you. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here. Well, that's it for our first midweek episode, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We hope that we can do stuff like this in the future uh, if the series allows for and if we can uh, just have something that's worthwhile to do. So um, if you like that, just let us know that's still up on our Facebook. Um, Go and comment any questions. Jared and and Nathan are going to be looking at that thread still and um, posting on it uh, throughout this week. So um, but just make sure to tune in next week. uh, We're going to start a new series about our church code called This Is Us. Um, and that episode will come out on Monday. So once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. I hope that you have a good rest of your week. Take care, everybody.